first try. Oh, dude. that's my boy Luke. There. No, you wanna you wanna hear something hilarious? All right, so this kid, I used to, bro. He's a, a Miami Heat fan, and me and him used to go at it in the comments on Twitter, dude. Like we didn't follow each other. We weren't boys at all, dude. But the year the Celtics went to the finals, he was finally like, we were like came to like a truce where we both like. He made fun of my golf swing. I made fun of the fact that he's like lives in Florida. Like it was like a whole like that. Maybe it's not lived in Florida, but that's so fucking funny that Luke won. I'm glad that he listens and I'm glad that he entered. That's dope. Let's see. Is that the right kid? Oh, that might not be the right kid. (laughs) Hold on one second. That might not be the right kid. That's so funny. That would be way funnier if it was the wrong kid. No, no, no. It's the right kid. Luke Barnes, right? Barnes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's That's my. That's the kid from Florida. He's a diehard Heat fan, so you know he actually knows ball. Just kidding. All Heat fans are fucking bandwagon. You hear me, Luke? Have fun in the playing tournament again. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 11 of the Breaking the Plane podcast. As always, brought in pr- partnership with Primetime Productions, our boys over there at Primetime Prods, primetimeproductions.net. Check them out. Yeah, keep flipping me off over there, boys. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Starting on a oh, good I note today. I was throwing up doing the pink one in the stink. <laughs> wow. Anyway. As always, I'm your host, Burge. Back at it with you. Again, back with Joe Schur and Mr. Anthony Ayahuasca. And <laughs> Kojak is back after a one one week absence due to being down in a hole too late at Just night. So eight feet inside the earth. Six feet to be specific, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys Tony doing? A. That's Tony A for short. Anthony Ayahuasca, aka Tony A, aka I'm going in a hut. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> No, this was actually a pretty sick week of football, to be honest. Like, I didn't have to bother with college football. Um, and um, there were some there was some upsets. There was some chalk. There were some good things. There were some bad things. I don't know. It was just like, I don't know. The Bills won, but the Eagles lost. So it's like one of those, like, eh, 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 I don't know. But, like, I don't know. Good weekend of football nonetheless. A lot of interesting results, you know, coming across the scoreboard yeah. when you were watching football the other day. Obviously, we didn't have Happy to watch Hanukkah, the too. Happy Hanukkah, yes. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Joe. Well, and shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Very interesting week, like you said, Joe. We didn't have to suffer through any Patriots football on Sunday because they played on Thursday night. I want to get right into this game. Yeah, fuck. We didn't man. have to suffer at all this week, Barry. No, it was great. It was a nice surprise. I I started the night off watching uh watching the Patriots and I had the Bruins on the on the phone as Kojak's dying over there. Um, violently sneeze. sneeze. <laughs> Thank you for muting. Thank you for muting yourself. He's allergic to Patriots wins. Yeah, it's just just unbelievable. Body Blue control by Kojak sneezing during pick. the Patriots talk. Love that. <laughs> well, as I was saying, I I had the Bruins on my phone and I had the Patriots on the big screen TV. I was like, I'll watch the Patriots for a bit. 
and then I'm I'm watching the Bruins on my phone, and they're getting absolutely stomped. All right, they they just decided not to show up in the game. So I was watching that. I'm like, whatever. And then the Patriots decided to start scoring touchdowns. I'm like, this is too funny not to pay full attention to. Like I was literally sitting there laughing the entire game, the entire first half of that game. I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? Patriots end up winning this game, 21 to 18. Uh, hey, I'm all for it. It didn't change their draft position one bit. All about it. Like it was great to actually see. We said that we said this on Sunday. We're like, dude, if it's the if it's the Bills, if it's the Steelers, it's the Jets. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. You beat those teams. We're fucking cool. Now you start beating teams like the Giants and like the Commanders and shit like that. Let's let's pump the fucking brakes here. (laughs) We can we can pull one over in Pittsburgh, dude. Imagine being a (laughs) imagine being a Steelers fan. You're like, oh, bro. Thursday night, I called out. I already called out of work Friday. The boys are absolutely lubed up in the parking lot. We're going to go absolutely curb stomp the Bailey Zappy Patriots at home. It, like, dude, I would have been losing my mind. This is like when I went to the Bears game last year. I was like, all right, fucking get right game. The Bears suck. Justin Fields suck. Dude runs all over us in the first half. They have to put Bailey Zapp. They bungle the whole, they bungle the whole QB situation. It's a horrible <laughs> night. And then it's the same thing with the Steelers, dude. They – Dude, after the first drive, I knew the Patriots were going to win this game. After the first, after the first drive, and the first touchdown drive, they zipped right down the field, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's. I don't think. I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna lose this game." It's I, like I, the institutional knowledge of the Steelers of how they play defense is just like doesn't matter. We could have. We could have. We could play Madden. It doesn't matter. We beat them every time. No, I think I did. See, I saw. I saw a stat on this. I think that was the first opening drive touchdown that they've scored this season. This season, yeah, yeah, yes. Why? Yeah, it's the first one. First one. Dog, it's December. Fourteen weeks in. That was our first one. Oh my god! With Bailey Zappi and Zeke Elliott. It was unbelievable, right? Like unbelievable that they hadn't they hadn't done that this year. And there was another stat I I saw too that involved Brady doing something that the Patriots haven't done since Brady. Oh, it's like two hundred plus yards. And like two TD or, I think it was it might have like been a three TD quarterback, right? Was it like since three touchdowns? Yeah, since Brady was here, and I read in the that first stat. half because yes. we didn't lose, we we scored, we didn't score anything in the second half, right? right. Fell asleep at oh, halftime. No, 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 no the, you could tell, you could tell that uh, Kraft buzzed into the headset and was like, "Fucking knock it off, tone <laughs> it down, yeah, <laughs> fucking knock it off." Zappy, throw how about you hit? What's how about you hit a Steelers guy right in the fucking numbers for us, please? No problem, coach. Biggest takeaway in this game for me was seeing what Ezekiel could do when he was a lead back. Dude, he he showed up in this one. I really oh, want him oh. back next year. I really would love to have him come back next yards. year. Yeah, seven receptions, you know, 70 yards on the ground. I mean, the rushing numbers weren't all that great, but then again, with the offensive line problems that the Patriots have had, that's not to be surprised. But, I mean, it was clicking in that first half. It was like, where was this all year? They If they had scored as many points – in a game as they did today, they'd be in the playoff race. Like they'd be out like on the low end of the playoff race, but they would still be in the conversation if they had just been this competent. And this wasn't even all that competent of an offensive game for the Patriots, because like we said, all the points were scored in the, in the first half. So they went completely shut down in the second half. Zappy threw that interception. And it seemed like all the swag that he was playing with in the first half was gone. And it was like, he was like, now he's back to being that, that kid that doesn't have the confidence. And yeah. But at the end of the day, it was great to see. Anytime you beat the Steelers, Mitch Trubisky looked terrible in this game. He should have thrown three Didn't interceptions. Didn't look like an NFL player. 
it was unbelievable just seeing how 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 inept he was. I mean, he's going to be playing again this week for the Steelers because Kenny Pickett is again out. And it's like, dude, this guy, this 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 brings me to a point about everybody wanting to tank for a high draft pick. Like Mitchell Trubisky was the second overall pick in his draft. And what a whiff of a guy. I mean, he showed, I think maybe he had one decent, really decent season with Chicago before the wheels just kind of fell off on him. But it's like a cautionary tale. Like just because you have a first or second overall pick, nothing is a slam dunk. Like it's less than 50% that you're going to hit on the guy. And that's where I want. I just wanted to make that point because you saw what, what a former second overall pick looks like on Thursday night. What are yeah, you North Carolina quarterback, nonetheless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I find like we always preface these games, right? Uh, who's to say more about this? Says way more about the Steelers than it says about the Patriots. Hundred percent. Uh, this is classic, classic uh, quarterback change buy-in, like kind of like motivation kind of situation. Like I said before, I think the Patriots, I think Bill O'Brien and the Patriots scheme, the old Tom Brady scheme, the short pass option pass scheme. Um, versus the Steelers kind of zone blitz defense. Yep. Absolutely shreds it every time. Um, as you can see, it doesn't really matter who the fucking quarterback is or who the pass catchers are. Um, the scheme beats the, the the offensive scheme beats the defensive scheme in this situation every time. But I think this just goes to show, dude, it's just like it's all about confidence at the quarterback position. You said it, you said it best, dude. The first half, Bailey Zappi was on his toes ahead of the defense playing confidently, throwing the ball with confidence, having confidence in wide receivers, putting the ball where it needs to be. And then after he throws that pick, he kind of kind of turtles and turns into a shell of himself. It's such a it's such a confidence uh heavy position. The best quarterbacks, i.e. Tom Brady, have been the most mentally tough, the the most able to shake off bad mistakes, the the most able to overcome adversity. I think that's still the most the uh, the most crucial um attribute to have as a quarterback would be overcoming adversity not having your emotions get too up or too down. Um, and we'll obviously get to that when we talk about the Chiefs game, mm-hmm. uh, your quarterback's emotions. But, um, yeah, I think this has a hell of a lot more about the Steelers. Uh, I think they're kind of cooked with their quarterback situation. There's a bunch of quarterback. There's a bunch of teams in this league that are kind of stuck in the same limbo situation where they have a fucking loaded roster and uh, they just can't fi- figure it out at the, uh, at the uh, quarterback position. But, uh, yeah, Mitch Trubisky is not an NFL quarterback. It was – it was laughable at some points in time. So he would he was either late or wrong on every read. Every mm-hmm. read. He would have the read right and he would make the right throw, but it would be a second or two late. And a second or two late in the NFL is years compared to like the any other level of football. It was just it wasn't a, it was a great game to watch as a Pats fan because you finally got to fucking see something positive instead of just all negative. But, enjoy, uh, your, think, enjoy yourself. Enjoy uh, yourself. <laughs> I think a uh, I think a Tommy Curran report brought us right back into the negative before this podcast started. Absolutely, and that's where we're going to go with this next. Um, came out today, just, I mean, not, not just a couple hours ago, I think. I know, um, right before we, yeah, right before we jumped. That out. basically, I'm paraphrasing what what Tommy Curran had released uh, out there. Basically, after the debacle that occurred in Germany against the Colts, Robert Kraft reportedly made the decision to part ways with Bill Belichick after the season. And while after that game, you can certainly buy into that narrative. Robert Kraft is big about, you know, the international relations and it's big about the, uh, you know, being on the 
big skate, big stage. They were on in so many countries for that game, and their his team looked awful. Obviously, we know what happened with Mac Jones down the stretch. There, we threw that horrendous interception as they were driving to win, and I I have an issue with this coming out right now. What why what why is a prominent reporter like Tommy Curran sitting on this kind of report for three weeks? If this was really truly the decision, the decision was made. There's no going back from it. If it was truly decided, then why did he sit on it for three weeks? Because he straight out came out and said it was the week after that, based on the conversations that he had, that it was very clear that a decision was made. Why are you sitting on that? You know, sure. I, again, I'm not, I, you know me, I'm a big Bill Belichick you know, supporter. I want him back next year. But I'm not naive to the fact that there's a good possibility that he's not. I'm not naive to that. But the, the, the timing just seems so off. And given how the team looked, even in the weeks after that, you're still sitting on that report. You waited until after they showed a little bit of promise to drop that. What five days later after that game, he was on. He was on. I was watching um, a clip on NBC Sports Boston. It was like a clip on the post game where he was there with Ted Johnson, Michael Hawley, and and um, you know there was somebody else. I can't remember the name, but he basically was talking about how this might put a pause lever on everything. Why are you saying that if you have this knowledge in your back pocket that this this was decided? So. That's my opinion on it. I'm, I, it's still speculation to me. I mean, you could say that they've agreed and all this is coming out that he's getting fired. I mean, I, I'll believe it when I see it. Again, I'm not naive to the fact that I it could happen. But I'm also, like like, like I said, I, I'm not buying it until I actually see it happen. What were your thoughts on it, Joe? I think this is, uh, I think this is another proxy war in the cold, a proxy situation in the cold war that's going on between Belich and Kraft. Good point. Um. I think everything that comes out until until Bill actually doesn't have a fucking job with the Patriots or until something actually like changes are actually made. I think this is all posturing and leveraging. Um, you saw the icy handshake at I think it was Vrabel's induction into the Patriots Hall of Fame. Um, you knew you, you heard rumblings at the beginning of the year about um, Bill being on the outs from Kraft's side more on the lines of. Uh, uh, pretty much saying that Kraft's not scared to fire Belichick, that it might be time to move on. And then you get the and then you get the reports about Belichick's uh, contract, right? Seemingly Belichick being like, "Whoa, Mister Kraft, I don't think let's not go that far. You did you did sign me to this uh, contract, this NFL coaches contract, which are fully guaranteed." Um, and then now you have uh, it coming out from Karen, a team guy that uh, Belichick's out at the end of the year. So I think we're at a point now where, I mean, we have four weeks left of the season. I don't think that you could be considered a lame duck coach at this point. Uh, we're kind of down the road. And I think if, I, I think if they really wanted to get the narrative out there that Bill was going to be gone, Kraft and Curran, I mean, I think if they wanted to get it out there that they really wanted Kraft gone, this would have came, you were right. This is odd timing. It would have came out right after the game. Because if then then if you put that out there, it puts the seat down on all the players' minds, and everything starts snowballing, and everything starts kind of moving towards that thing that you set in motion, which would be firing Bill. So I think he kept that in his back pocket at by direction from the team, saying that hey, we want to use this as leverage, but I don't think we want to put him out there as a lame duck coach because we want to make sure that the product in the field doesn't suffer because of this. Um, like you said, I think it's a hundred percent a possibility. I don't think it's a done deal yet. I think that um, even though I want him gone doesn't mean 
it's the right or prudent thing to do. I understand that I'm just a guy with a but I bought a microphone off Facebook Marketplace. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think this is just another. This is just another Bay of Pigs. This is just another Vietnam War. This is just another fucking Korean War in the proxy war of the Cold War that's going on between the two superpowers left in Foxborough, which is uh, Belichick and Kraft. And, you know, another thing, too, is, is like you hear all the talk about how Belichick is an asset and you hear hear all the rumblings throughout the season that they may want to try to trade him. And if they're making the decision now and it's coming out now that they're going to trade him or, or I'm sorry, part ways with him, you lose a little bit of leverage there. You lose leverage in terms of what you might actually be able to seek from a trade partner if there even actually is one. I don't I don't really buy into that. I think I don't know who who in the league would really realistically want to trade a significant asset for a 71 year old head coach. I mean, let's be real. I mean, the chargers, they're not, Bill's not going to fix that mess out there. You know, the, you hear all the talk about the commanders. I mean, the commanders are still not in a very good spot. Why would Bill want to go there and rebuild another team? So like, it's one of those things where it, the leverage and like, like you said, the posturing and all of that, I think is a real major factor here just based on how the reporting has gone. We know how like leaks have gone with the Patriots over the years, even when Brady was here with the rep- the leaks that were coming out with Brady trying to leverage the team and all that. You could tell which side was leaking this information just based on the information that came out. So I think there's a strong possibility that's what this is. And I, like I said, I, I'm not going to buy into anything until there's like a legitimate, like, real like national source that will come out and back back up what they're hearing. Cause I think I read an article a few days ago about Mike Florio backpedaling on him with pro football talk, backpedaling on the whole trade thing and how he may actually be back next year for the Patriots. So it's like, there's so much smoke going on right now that it's tough to really buy in and really believe anything that you hear. So let's wait and see how it plays out. Right. And I think it also comes down to the fact that like Bill wants the record and his easiest path is staying here. Swallowing his pride and accepting help is his easiest pass to getting that record. I mean, yeah. if you turn around, well, I mean, what is he? I mean, after that game, I think we're, I think it's like 14 or 15, between 13 and 15 games away from the record. So I think that turning it around and getting to the playoffs next year, and then the year after that being, I don't want to say an elite team, but at least a Super Bowl hopeful, if not com- contender, the year after. So, I mean, I'm kind of lightning on the fact of um, Bill coming back, but I think it's more through the lens of I think that the parameters in which he would come back under are starting to loosen. Um, because I think that you brought up his the whole point about him being worth the first first round pick. I didn't even th- I didn't even think about that in my whole like soliloquy about like the arms race. Like that's a hundred percent Bill being like, no, I'm just, like other teams will still. Like, you don't have to fire me. Like, other teams will still, like, give up assets for me. And to be totally honest, I think that that might be his easiest route to keeping an NFL head coaching job in the league would be to bolster his value and either change Kraft's minds and stay here or get traded. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think, like you, like you said, it's a it's the, the, the thing you, you let off with, with the timing, with the current thing, how he's referencing something that happened like a couple weeks ago. Dude, the NFL is a week-by-week business, dude. Shit changes fucking daily. Like, I don't know. There had to there, – there is some correlation between where he's getting the information and when they wanted the information to come out. And I guess we're really not going to know why until kind of a couple months, maybe a couple – even a couple years, a couple decades down the line. 
I mean, if he wanted the information to come out now, like to say it's the ownership that wants it to come out now, it's going to trying to leverage the fact that the Patriots just won a game and looked finally for the first time in probably, I would say most of the season competent for half a football on the offensive side. And now you're going to, you're now you're going to drop the report five days after that game. After you were just on TV saying that this might might pull the pull the, uh, or slow the eject lever on the whole thing. Like, what are we doing? Like you're, 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 you're contradicting yourself when you, when you're saying something like this and it's, it's like, how, how do you know what to believe? How do you know what to believe? I mean, Curran is a, is, is a respected reporter. He's very plugged into what's going on down there. He's been right on a lot of things, but this just screams like fishy to me. Just three weeks after you saying that the conversation happened, why did you sit on it? Why did you sit on it after they, they, they lost six, nothing to the chargers? Like, yeah. Even though I, I, when I read this report, I took off my pants and covered myself in Crisco because I, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I still have to be objective here, dude. There's no, this could be, I don't know. Like, dude, as soon as you said the timing thing, it sent me down a whole rabbit hole of like, well, what is actually going on here? And I, honest, dude, there's, dude, the thing, all right, I'm not, I, dude, I told my, dude, I told myself, I told myself, I had a talk, I looked in the mirror at work today, I was like, you're not going to yell in the podcast today. You're not going to get fired up, but here Cook. I am yelling, Cook. fired up, fired up, dude. But the thing is, is like, you know, they didn't have the fucking, they don't have a frank conversation about it because they didn't have a frank conversation about the whole fucking Brady thing. So why would they have a frank conversation about this? Dude, it's like old, it's like these old guys have no, like no communication skills. It's like, dude, Bill is amazing on college game day. When he does all this shit for NFL films, he's so forthcoming. He's so insightful. Everything he says, there's so much just. Dis- there's so much nuance and description behind everything he says. Every word that he says carries weight in those situations. But when you get behind a mic in front of the to address the to address what's happened with your football team, or you have to get in front of Kraft and like actually hash out your differences, it's almost like it, they don't have the conversations. It's aggravating that they're having it through the fucking well. For what it seems like right now, it's aggravating that are having it through the media because what they really need to do is have a frank, just like they needed with Brady. They need to have a they need to have a frank conversation. You need to be honest with each other. This shit is fucking bad, dog. We're three and ten. Like you guys need to have an honest conversation. Bill, what do you want? Oh, I want to fucking break Shula's record. Okay, you can stay as quarterback here. I mean, you can stay as a uh, coach here, but we're gonna be implementing a lot of fucking rules. Your defense and your yeah, you do whatever you want employ your kids or anything else. We're making Mayo the assistant head coach. We're keeping, we're keeping O'Brien, giving him fucking authority to make some calls on the offensive game day roster. And then we're bringing in an, an entire different team to pick the players. Like there, there is an avenue here, but there need, there's so many difficult conversations that I feel like that the Patriots are averse to having, like letting the best quarterback in the game go, like letting the, like, botching the 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 transition from the best co- the best coach in the game to whatever's next after that it's it's just frustrating that they need to have these conversations and there, it seems like they're having just a, a a cold war through the media well it you work with somebody for so long your ego is eventually going to get in the way and Kraft has an ego clearly i mean you saw it early on with bill parcells and that whole that whole thing the way that all went down early on in his ownership Bill Belichick has an ego. I think that goes without saying. Like, that's easy to just just say. And even when Brady was here, he had an ego too. And, like, I think all three of those guys wouldn't, wouldn't, weren't going to have the frank conversations. And I think it, it all just it, it kind of wore, wore out its welcome. And there's a good chance that that's happening here right now with Bill Belichick in 
Robert Kraft. But let's let's make sure like Bill's as much to blame as Robert and vice versa if they're not going to sit down and hash this thing out. Like, fine, you want to you want to move on and do 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 your own thing, then let's mutually part ways. Thank you for your 23 years. Thank you for everything you did. You're one of my best friends, but the working relationship just isn't there anymore. Make That's what happened. That's what happened with Brady. That's what happened with Brady. The, the relationship was gone. It deteriorated to a point. It was time to move on. Same thing could be happening now, but if you're gonna if you're gonna act like high school girls and can't sit there and have a have a conversation about this, like high schoolers, like high schoolers play the games. That's what this seems like. If you're gonna go out and you're, it's a battle for public perception right now, the pub, a public exactly. opinion. That's exactly what it is, and they're trying to see who can get the most behind them. Because I can guarantee you, right now, obviously, Kraft's winning that. Majority of the fan base wants Bill gone, and Bill's trying to make it like look like, hey, no, like I'm still here. Like I want to keep keep coaching here, and this is why. If Bill shifts that to him, Kraft's not going to make a move. I think Kraft is going to go as being a fan himself before an owner. I think he's going to go with where a large portion of the fan base sits, the educated fan base. I'm not talking about the Yahoo's on Twitter. Um, and he's going to he's going to make a decision based on that. I don't think that decision has been made. And we could sit here and talk about this all night about, you know, this report. And, you know, we obviously have had some frank conversations in our Twitter chat and on this podcast between you and I, Joe, about where we sit on this whole thing. Time's going to tell. And we'll we'll know probably a month from now, we're going to know. A month from now, we're going to know the answer to this question. And um, we'll be sure to give you our, our frank reactions to this. I, if Bill Belichick goes, I may be in tears on, on the podcast. We'll see if that actually happens. Joe I mean, might we'll be, both be in tears. Joe but... Joe's going to be in Crisco, you know, lubed up in Crisco on camera. Might have to re up. <laughs> might have to get the whole the new body bag full of Crisco. <laughs> they were like the shake chicken, put me in the bag and just shake me in the Crisco up. Be nice up. <laughs> yeah. They got my couches in leather. I wouldn't be able to sit. Yeah. <laughs> so so more to come on that and. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, the, the smoke and mirrors game is going to continue over the next month. And just imagine the storyline if they find a way to win out. Just imagine where I, that's going to go. Dude, I would, you fucking read my mind. I was like, this asshole Bill is going to be like, you know what? We might as well fucking win out. Like, you know what I mean? I If he wins out with Zappy, yeah, it's going to fucking If happen. he wins out with Zappy and beats the Chiefs, the Bills, uh, the Broncos, and the Jets. Bill's going to take some flack for cutting Zappy early in the season from people that don't understand what how the roster management and asset management works. But he's going to be able to pin this entire thing on Mac Jones. At the end of the day, yeah. and if Robert Kraft was the one that's 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 called was calling for Mac to play all the way, and that's the reason why he was the guy who wanted them drafted, and he you know all of this and that, and Bill just says f you, I'm going to go out and roll Zappy now, and I'm going to win, you know, five straight games to end the season to make for some interesting talk so we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see i don't expect them to win out by any means i don't think anybody really really should have that expectation despite having the recency bias of a, of a win on thursday night but you know we'll see but i think that's enough patriots talk for right now oh i just want to shout out uh we did do our second giveaway um our jersey giveaway here for patriots jersey hunter henry congrats to uh one of our listeners at underscore luke Bar- Berenice. B-A-R-E-N-S-E. Joe, I, I understand that you've had uh, some interactions with him on Twitter before. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a Miami Heat fan that I met in the comments on Twitter, which is a uh, a true rags to riches story that we're uh, we're here right now. Uh, shout out to Luke. 
Uh, always appreciate someone that you can have an argument with, but also be friends with at the end of the day. So uh, he railed on my golf swing, which I took very personally. Uh, <laughs> we got in the mud a little bit, and then we came out on the other side, uh, better people. Uh, mutuals now. But uh, I'm glad somebody I knew uh, went ahead and won this jersey. He deserves it. But uh, the Heat suck, man. The Heat suck. I don't know. I don't know what the hell you're doing down there. You got that new rookie who's probably going to hit like nine threes versus the Celtics and whatever. Whenever they end up probably playing this postseason, even though you guys will be like the 13th seed with five games left, win them all and then get in the fucking play in and then beat the Bucks in the first round. Like we do this every fucking year. But uh, congrats, Luke. Uh, please don't burn it. Th thanks for chiming in, listening to us, and uh, getting in on that giveaway. Next game. Next game, we're going to talk about our beloved, our beloved Detroit Lions against the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago. What a disappointing game. This was this, this was one a painful hurt. one. This was painful. The Chicago Bears beat the nine and three, now nine and four Detroit Lions, twenty eight to thirteen. I don't think. I mean, there was a period in time where Detroit kind of came back, made it a game in the second quarter, but outside of that. I just it, the highlights that I saw and when I was watching Red Zone, it just seemed like Chicago was kind of in control most of this game. Really hurt. I mean, Jared Goff throwing two interceptions. That's not a recipe for success. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown, only three receptions on nine targets. Whenever he's not getting gonna bring that up too. Yeah. Whenever he's not getting his his receptions, that is a recipe for disaster for the Detroit Lions. I mean, the running game. Averaging six, you know, almost six yards a clip was good for them, but too many turnovers, too many sacks. And, you know, Justin Fields had himself a pretty good day, I'd say, with running the ball as well as throwing it. DJ Moore, another guy who went off in this game with two touchdowns. Just an all-around letdown game. I think we know where the Chicago Bears are. You know, they're they're very happy where with where they are with their where they're at right now. They're not tanking for a draft pick. They already got number one the number one draft pick locked up courtesy of their trade last year with the Panthers. They're sitting pretty. They're happy. Um, what were your thoughts on the game, Joe? Uh, yeah. So this is classic. Who's it say more about? And late season losses for good teams. It's always going to say more about you. Mm -hmm. Um. I think the Bears are playing some inspired football right now because uh, I think we talked about how it was kind of weird that they added at the deadline. Dude, but Sweat has been an absolute monster for this defense, dude. If they can get their offense figured out like they kind of had on Sunday, I think – shout out Big Cat. I think the Bears might be back. Um, I think that whoever threw out there that they might be able to get a first-round pick for Justin Fields is smoking actual crack. Yes. I think maybe moving on from Fields and using that asset to kind of move up or trade up in that category I think would be a good idea. But I think it's scary. I think the – we just talked about we just talked about we just talked about the Steelers being one of these teams, but I really don't want the Lions to turn into one of these teams that are fucking loaded but don't have the quarterback. It seemed like one of those games where Jared Goff wasn't comfy and the Lions looked like ass, dude. Every fucking time that you get him uncomfy, they look like ass, especially on offense. And like you said, Amon Ross St. Brown, nine three receptions on nine targets. That's not a recipe for success. We come on here. Every fucking time that the Lions lose, we're like, Amon Ra, 16 targets on 16 targets. He only had seven catches or like nine targets. He only had three catches. Like there has to be a point where 
I mean, and then you look at Sam Laporta has two receptions for 20 yards on six targets. Like there's an efficiency factor here with Detroit that is a, a huge Achilles heel in their effectiveness, in their ability to win a game. Their defense is their defense. They're they're not a great defense. They're a motivated defense. If they're motivated and if everything kind of goes their way, they're a good enough defense. But I don't think Detroit's defense is good enough to win alone. If they're if their offense is turning the ball over three times, they're definitely not good enough to get over a hump like that. I mean, Jer- Jared Goff is twenty of thirty five for hundred and twenty seven net yards after sacks. Like that's just not good enough to get it done. So. Yeah, I think this is uh, – ju- as a Lions fan, I don't know how mad you could actually get, <laughs> to be honest, but um, this would be a very, very, very disheartening and jarring loss for me if I was a uh, if I was a diehard – I'm a, I'm a Fairweather Lions fan. I will mm-hmm. dump you guys. As soon as you lose, you lose next week, say goodbye to the BTV boy. Uh-huh. Well, maybe not very sure. Say bye to me. I'm out of here. I'm jumping off that bandwagon. Get me a neck roll. I'll be hitting my head on the pavement. I don't care. <laughs> like – I think a lot of people are in Detroit right now, and I think that's when a lot of these teams that I think you saw it with the Jaguars earlier in the season. I think you see it with a lot of teams that are up and coming, and I think you might even be seeing it with the Eagles right now. I'll get to that. But like mm-hmm. everybody's on the Detroit bandwagon. There's a lot of expectations that they're supposed to be cleaning up against teams, especially like the Bears, even though it's a divisional game. They're still not great. But, yeah, this is jarring as a Lions, as a Lions backer as we are or a Lions diehard like a lot of people in Detroit are. This is a, this is, this is a tough one as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I share that sentiment. I'm looking at the remaining schedule for the Detroit Lions. They host the Broncos. I believe it's on Saturday, on Saturday night. And then they have, they have the Vikings twice and the Cowboys. If they come out of that anything – Wait, isn't it the Cowboys twice and the Vikings? They have the twice the Vikings, two times on the, the Vikings. Vikings. Okay, yeah. I don't know who the hell. Regardless. And then the Cowboys. They at worst, at worst, need to come out of that five hundred, two and two. Dude, I want them wins, three and wins, one. That's eleven and six, dude. I, I'm just saying. I'm saying for you, you to feel good about how they're playing down the stretch yes. going into the playoffs. Yeah. You need them to beat the Vikings twice. That has to be an absolute yes, especially with they. They just the Vikings just made a switch to to Nick Mullins Nick from Mullins, Josh Dobbs. Yeah. Uh, up there, so that's a team that's kind of out of it, playing for spoilers, all that. The Broncos are a team. Let's go, Stoneface. The Broncos are a team that are fighting for a playoff as well. So that's going to be a real good test for this team. And then obviously you have the Cowboys who are fighting for the number one seed in the conference. That'll be another really, really good test for the Lions. So, like I said, worst two and two, but I want to see them come out of this three and one, three and one end the season that'll put them at 12 and five and you'll feel really good really good about them going into the playoffs so next week's a good test we want to see them battle you're gonna see them bounce back from a bad loss you know that's what that's what next week presents an opportunity for them to do so that'll be interesting to see i want to pose this question to you joe if you're a chicago bears fan you have the number one overall pick are you moving on from justin fields yes and taking a quarterback you are yeah dude what if what if Justin Fields decides to show you something these last four weeks? I'm gonna throw a hypothetical at you. All right, so I guess my thing would be is like, how does it look? You know what I mean? Like, uh, this is such a tough question because I think there's an opportunity in this draft to maybe get aggressive at the top with a wide receiver. I think it would be. Let me compartmentalize my thoughts here. 
you can win with Justin Fields, but I don't know at how efficient or how at how high of a level. Um, I don't think that his play style is conducive to a long NFL career at the quarterback position, especially in the NFC North. So if I was the Bears, I would be drafting a quarterback with the number one overall pick. But I think if a team got nuts, I would definitely entertain trading back. Like if a team at four or at three wants to get to one and they're going to be crazy like Carolina was last year and you can kind of be set up in the same position you were. Now you have Marvin, maybe you have Marvin Harrison Jr., you have DJ Moore, you have Justin Fields, and you have a stocked young defense. So I think that that could be a advantageous position. But we've talked about Caleb Williams on this podcast. We've talked about the red flags of his attitude. We've talked about the red flags of his emotions. All of that shit aside, that kid is fucking nasty. He is Mm -hmm. objectively better at playing quarterback than Justin Fields. But there is there. I don't know if the infrastructure in Chicago is at a point to which a pass heavy playmaking heavy quarterback can come in and as a rookie and thrive right away. That's a fair point. And, you know, I'm kind of on the fence with where I need to go with that. I still need to see a little bit more from Justin Fields. And that's why I threw that hypothetical out to you right there. Um, Of course, if he, if he, Continues if he plays like he did on against the Lions on Sunday, the rest of the season, it's gonna make the decision pretty damn hard for, for the Bears if they're gonna they're gonna move on because no one's gonna pay a top asset to take Justin Fields from them. I mean, he's in he's you're gonna have to exercise his option. You're only getting two years of control out of it if you're gonna make a trade for for Justin Fields. And but going back to your point, I think the best situation for that is if he plays well. Like he if he makes the situation hard for you, you should probably trade him because that'll probably be the highest his trade value will ever be. That's a very good point. And absolutely especially because you're gonna have to go to a team you're only getting two years of real true control out of it. You're you're gonna have to pay the guy if you're gonna trade for him and you're gonna have to commit to him. So he's gonna have to show something and, you know, maybe you, you get a team that wants to bite on it to give like a, maybe a mid to high second round pick for him. You're not getting a first round pick for him. Maybe, maybe like 28 to 32. But again, those teams that have those picks probably set at that position. You know, you're making deep playoff runs. You're going in the AFC. You're talking conference championship. You're talking Super Bowl, that kind of that 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 area of the draft. So definitely something that we, we want to make sure that we uh, we get to monitor with this. I want to move on to another game here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the Rams and the Ravens. I want to go to the Rams and the Ravens. I, I know you had a point. We were gonna talk about the Colts Bengals. Joe, you want to give your point on the Bengals here, real quick, before we 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 move on. Dude, just shout out Jake Browning. Shout out Jake Browning, dude. I am a as you'll see in my picks coming up. I am a sucker for the overlooked guy from a I don't want to say small, but from a non like in-your-face Power 5 school. I know they're a Power 5 school, but they're not. Washington is not considered Mm -hmm. a quarterback factory. They remind me of the Eagles in 2017, dude. They do, man. They do. They have a loaded – they have a lot of good skill position players on offense. They have a really good defensive line. They can make some some shit happen. And I think Jake Browning is – Jake Browning, if you're listening to this, come on the pod, but I don't mean this how as mean as it's going to say. He's dumb enough to be like, no, I can do this. We're fine. We're fine. And it's like, dude, they don't have that. Dude, they're, they're seven and six. They have 
there's there's four games left to the end of the season. If they go three and one, they're going to be a ten win team in the playoffs, and they're going to be in a I don't want to say advantageous, but they're going to be in a pretty good position to maybe win a playoff game. So, because we've talked about how wide open the playoffs are with all these quarterbacks injured, I just I don't know. Just want to say shout out Jake Browning. I see you, and I think that um, come playoff time and come uh, later in the season, your boy's going to be a uh, Bengals money line dog for the rest <laughs> of the season, dude. Let's go. Love it. I mean, they got uh, they got an interesting schedule the rest of the year: Vikings, Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. So. Not exactly. Damn, they are going to go three and one. They might go four and zero oh about how they're they, playing right now. They very well could play in the Chiefs and the Browns. Chiefs at Arrowhead. Browns are stick. You know, Joe Flacco is Mister Joe Cool again. All of a sudden, I hate it. I can hate that guy. But good, good for him and being a guy that was sitting on the couch watching football, and now he's he's won a couple of games for for the Browns. That's a that's a cool story. Definitely very winnable games. Could go. I think it could go either way. I think you could see them go four and zero, or I could see them. You could see them go one and three, two and two. So, definitely an exciting team to watch down the stretch here. But we're going to move on to the other AFC North team that Joe has been a huge fan of, huge fan of on this podcast, picking them and all that. It's the Baltimore Ravens beating the Los Angeles Rams thirty-seven to thirty-one in overtime on a walk-off punt return. That was a great way to see that game, man. This game had no shortage of offense. Amar Jackson was balling out both through the air and on the ground. Matthew Stafford had a really good day. I mean, no turnovers in this game. There were a few fumbles that were recovered by the, uh, you know, by your, by the, you know, the fumbling team. Just, just a good offensive football game with, which is what the NFL wants. And I think it says a lot about the, the Ravens who were, you know, this was a, t- a game which they probably, I don't want to say they expected to you know walk through, but I think they expected to ha- to handle it the way that they've been playing oh, West Coast this year. coming east, like yeah, team ascending versus a team descending, yeah, absolutely. And you know it took everything, took extra time for them to be to, to you know come out on top, but they found a way to do it. And I think it says a lot about what their their ceiling is for this season. I was not a big big Baltimore Ravens guy going into the season this year. I thought it was going to be a you know that AFC North was going to be a battle. And, you know, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're running away with it just yet, but they have a really, really strong cushion uh, in that division. So I think they're a team that, that can go the distance here. And I think the way that they won on Sunday, given how the defense wasn't really playing that well, they found a way to still come out on top. And it's something that with Lamar quarterback, you haven't really, I mean, you've seen him win games, but like you haven't really seen like a true like stick it out offensive, you know, shootout like this where he's really come out on top. And I thought he was excellent in this one. No, you led right into my point. I I am so happy that the Baltimore Ravens won a shootout, dude. Before I give my hot take, I'm gonna go run through. I'm gonna go run through the reasons of why I'm gonna give my hot take at the end. Mm-hmm. So here we go, Ravens. <laughs> All right, everybody, chill out. Um, so <laughs> Ravens. Five guys with multiple receptions, four guys with four or more receptions, three guys with five or more receptions. That is the definition of the, playing the point guard position. But then you go back to Lamar Jackson. He has three touchdowns. He has three touchdowns as well as seventy yards on the ground, dude. The dude, if it's a quarterback, if it's a quarterback award, the dude's the MVP. If you take out all position players, Lamar Jackson is by far the most 
valuable player in the league. You take away his best offensive weapon in Mark Andrews, and the next week he scores 37 points with, like I said, five receivers having multiple receptions, four of them having over four. So I think that the Ravens' defense kind of gets looked over in this one. I think they have a good defense. I think they had a really bad day. But I think, dude, Lamar is just at a level that we haven't seen anybody get to since kind of Mike Vick when he was, like, early with Philadelphia, when he could still put the moves on in open field but also throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns a game. Um, I love the Ravens. This game, classic. Who's it say more about? I think it says more about the Ravens, but I don't want to let the Rams off the hook in a good way. I think this says a lot about the Rams too. I think McVay getting players like Cup, Nakua, like players like that, like, dude, they don't have top picks. They don't have good picks, and they're still finding young players that they can plug into the system and be productive. I mean, Puka Nakua is one of the best receivers in the league. The dude was a seventh-round pick. Mm -hmm. So – you, I think you can see the brilliance of uh, Sean McVay kind of show through in uh, this season. I use them as my dark horse. I hope they fucking make the playoffs. I hope they. Get, I hope the Rams get a playoff game. I hope Aaron Donald gets one more playoff game as a as a Ram. But this kind of brings me to my hot take on this game, or kind of this week. If you put a gun to my head, if the Ravens and the 49ers played right now. I'm taking the Ravens. Dude, I'm taking the Ravens, dude. You take away Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson is still fucking balling. You take away Debo Samuel, what's Brock Purdy done? He's 0-3 or at least 0-1 without Debo. So part of me wants to say that – part of me wants to say that the Ravens are the best team in the league, but I do understand that they play in a a, a left – just matter of fact, in a lesser conference right now. But I think the Ravens road to the Super Bowl is paved. It's double. It's double lane wide, and there's a there's a dash white line in the middle, so they can start passing some people. I don't. I think they're going to get the bye. I don't think there's anybody that can come up and jump and bite them at home. Besides, maybe KC if it shakes out that way. But I don't see them losing their division, so it doesn't really matter. But um, dude, the the Ravens are fucking good, man. And it, it, when they're when they're, when they're when they're averaging five point three yards an attempt, Lamar's throwing for three hundred yards and three touchdowns, dude. You're not gonna fucking beat this team. I know it took, dude. Talk about the ending of this fucking game. Mm-hmm. A walk off punt return touchdown. All right. So first of all, all right. Now I, I sure wasn't gonna get pissed at this podcast, but dude, why did they have to constitute these overtime rules just for just for the playoffs? If they constituted the overtime rules for the regular season too, your boy would have had a push. Your boy would have had a push this weekend instead of fucking <laughs> losing outright. So I think that is bullshit that we have different rules for the regular season and the playoffs. This isn't fucking hockey. Okay. This isn't fucking hockey where dudes are taking fucking skates to the neck and fucking fucking sticks to the teeth and shit like that. Like, I'm pissed about that. But long story short, fun football game to watch. I think it says a lot about both teams. Everything positive. The only negative to take away from this game is the the Baltimore defense letting up 31 points, but I think that has something to do with Sean McVay having Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua with Matt Stafford balling right now. And the fact that the Ravens could beat that team definitely outweighs the negatives of the their defense giving up 31. Definitely agree with you and we've we've heard a lot throughout the NFL throughout the season about how Given all the injuries to, you know, like Joe Burrow, 
Kenny Richardson, all these quarterbacks that went down in the AFC that Kansas City had themselves a cakewalk to an appearance to repeat for the Super Bowl. And I'm just going to flat out dispel that right now. I totally agree with you on the Ravens. They're the best team in the AFC. I don't think it's really all that close right now. I They would they, fuck up the Chiefs right now. If they, they played would, today mm-hmm. on a neutral field, they played on Mars right now, you give Lamar Jackson zero gravity, son? <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. No, but neutral, neutral side. Yeah. The, the, the Ravens absolutely whomp the Chiefs right now. Totally agree with you. And I mean, the, the Jaguars who are leading the South, they're a bit of a mess. The Dolphins lost on Monday night last night to the Titans in a late game. Tyreek Hill got banged up in that one. RIP my fantasy perfect season. Come on, Tyreek, you got to stay on the field. But the, in my opinion, the, the Ravens are just, just better. They're, they're just, they're more, they're better coach. They have a seasoned coach who's been in the league a very long time. And I, I just, they're, they're going to be a team that's going to be tough to beat They're John Harbaugh seasoned in the playoffs. He's got a Super Bowl. They're, they're always flirting in the playoffs and OBJ and, Renaissance too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's tough right now to pick against them in the AFC, given what the AFC is. And we know what the AFC is, is a bunch of middlers fighting for, for those wild cards right now. I think there's like seven teams. A bunch that are of teams play with backup fucking quarterbacks. Bro. Exactly. Fucking, dude, the Browns are on their third call. I know it's Joe Flacco who's this fucking Super Bowl winner, but still they're on there. There's, there's fourth, teams out there. there. Yeah. They're on Dorian, their fourth QB. They had they had Watson, PJ Walker, Doran. Oh, I forgot about PJ Walker yeah. and Joe oh, Flacco. Fuck man. Mm-hmm. So fourth quarterback. I, they did a stat and like Damn. it was. I don't think they played more than two weeks in a row with the same quarterback. I think this week will be the first one when Joe Flacco plays the. Uh, Damn. Plays again. Like isn't that crazy that they're still hanging around? I I wrote them off as soon as Watson was out, and they That's keep proving impressive, me wrong. Bro. That is impressive. So. Imagine if Joe Flacco has anybody ever won a Super Bowl ring for two different teams in the same division. Uh, that's a good. That's a good stat. That uh, wasn't Peyton. Wasn't Peyton the first to do it? The quarterback, starting they, quarterback for two different teams in the to win a Super Bowl. I think so. I think he was the first one with the Broncos and Imagine, the Colts. Yeah, dude, yeah. that'd be so fucking sick, dude. That'd be. Uh, that would. Be, I hate it. That would be. I'd cool. hate it. As somebody who hates cool. Joe Flacco, but yeah, it would be very cool to see that, especially for a guy who's old and was sitting on his couch watching football with his. But family. how funny, would, dude! The 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 Browns have been looking for a solution at quarterback for how fucking long? And in walks a fucking washed up fucking starter that won a fucking Super Bowl with your division rival ten <laughs> years ago. That dude, that would be fucking hilarious, dude. That right? Would be fucking hilarious. The only team that's allowed. The only team that's allowed. To beat the Lions in the Super Bowl is the is the Browns with Joe Flacco. If they don't have Joe Flacco, fuck that. I'll slash the tires on the team bus. You won't even get there. But the only team that's allowed to beat the Lions in the Super Bowl is the Joe Flacco Browns. That's fucking awesome. How quickly you abandoned your boy CJ Stroud? How quickly you abandoned him? Oh, dude, let my boy's brain rest. We'll be back next year, okay? D'Amico, D'Amico, if you're listening right now. Your head was very shiny on Sunday. I saw that. <laughs> Don't it, it didn't go unnoticed. I'm still a te- I'm still a closet Texans fan. Y'all need to y'all need to fuck up the offensive line this offseason. Mm-hmm. We'll say that and we'll we'll move. I'm you would still rather be the Texans than the Patriots. I'm still not backing off that point. I'm still not backing off that point because you have a you have a 40-something year old motivational head coach and a top 10, top, arguably top five quarterback in the league this year. MVP 
fringe candidate before he got injured, yeah, I'd rather be the Texans. But anyway, <laughs> get well, Sue CJ. Come on the pod once you can. Uh, once you're not uh, sound and light sensitive after the concussion, we're here for you. All right, let's move on to the team we were just talking about, the team that we thought everybody would have a cakewalk to get to the Super Bowl in the AFC. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. At Arrowhead, Sunday afternoon, playing against my hated, most hated team of all time, the Buffalo. I'm Bills. just gonna let you run on this one, baby. Just go, just fuck. All right, put your head, put your head down, get through yeah. the, get through the tackle guard gap, and you get to that second level. And you start running people over, baby. The Buffalo Bills win this game, twenty to seventeen. Kansas City was sloppy in this one throughout the game, in my opinion. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it's evident with the receivers that he has there, you know. Not not enough. Not enough. Appreciate Rice coming right back down there. Yep. Unfortunately. I mean, he did have a pretty good day though. Seven receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Mm. Desperately missed Isaiah Pacheco out there with the running game. Clyde Edwards Alaire is just not good enough to be a running back for this team. On the Buffalo side of things, they got James Cook going early in this one, which I was like, come on, Kansas City. Like, but what did we dude. fucking say, dude? What did we say two weeks ago, dude? Buffalo gets that fucking ground game working. They're they're good, dude. They're able to run the ball, and James Cook was receive was catching the ball as well too. He had the opening score in this one, and it just seemed like the Chiefs had no answer for it. Josh Allen still found a way. I mean, he had made some plays in this game, but he still found a way to throw a bad interception. And you know, it seemed like the Chiefs were were getting some good pressure on him. He was able to make some plays, so I'll give him a little bit of credit there. But my God, Kansas City, like this was a game that you needed. Buffalo might have needed it more because if the Buffalo loses this game, they're more or less out of the playoffs at that point. I was so rooting for that. It was going to make my day. And then what happened on that last drive happened. My God. Darius Tony, you are an absolute rockhead bum, dude. Like, how dumb do you have to be to not even truly check with an official to make sure you're on sides there? They hardly ever make this penalty call in the NFL. And we're going to get to the officials in a minute here. But they hardly ever do this because your receivers, they always will give you the benefit of the doubt and back you up. If you point over at them and look at them and actually point at them, they will back you up. Or look when you're pointing. Bro, you were over the nose of the football on the other side. Like, how do you do that? How does that happen? It robbed us of an amazing play in that game. One play that you haven't seen in, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that, where Kelsey just openly, that was there was clearly a designed play. That was oh, clearly 100%. designed. It was just like the fucking Chargers play a couple weeks ago. Exactly. It was a beautifully, beautifully schemed up play. It worked to perfection. Ironically, it's Kadarius Tony that scores the touchdown on it. But my God, dude, how dumb do you have to be to make that mistake? Obviously, the Chiefs go nowhere after that five-yard penalty. I think it was three straight incompletions after that, and the game's over. And, bro, the time, the, the, the hissy fit that Patrick Mahomes was throwing on the sideline, I get in the heat in the moment, whatever, it's going to happen. Bro, you freaking doubled down on it in your post-game press conference and called everybody out. Bro, the dude was offsides. He screwed up. He messed up. Like... That's it. Eat it. Call out your receivers. Call out your management for not getting you anybody better. Call them out. But, dude, don't cry to me about that call because it was a penalty. 
hundred times out of a hundred, I get that the NFL, they don't always call this. And I'm going to get to that point. I, I'll let you go before we start talking about the officials here, Joe, because I got something to say about, you know, with the timing of that penalty call and everything. But what, what were your thoughts of, of how the end of this game happened? I mean, we always obviously know the end result, but I want your thoughts on what happened with that, that, that sequence. I guess um, I'm just going to disregard everything you just said, and I'm going to go right to actually after the penalty. I think the most telling thing about this game is how the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes handled this after the penalty was called. I think that shows a team that's deeply insecure and floundering for a sense of the success that they've had over the last, whatever, five years. Um, I think it is very concerning to have that level of frustration in an organization this late in the season when you're trying to contend for a team. The only caveat I will say is it does remind me a lot of the 2018 Patriots after the Miami Miracle where they then went on a tear and ended up winning the uh, winning the Super Bowl. But um, I don't think this says much about the Bills. They scored 20 fucking points. I don't think they're not gonna they're not gonna win games on defense this year. I think they're the 17 points the Chiefs scored says way more about the Chiefs offense than it does about the Bills 100%. defense. So I, dude, I'm a big dude. I'm a big Mahomes guy, but he's gotta play quarterback. He has to play quarterback. I understand that his 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 thing that takes him above everybody else is his improvis- improvisation and his ability to make something out of nothing. But I think that when you have one legitimate playmaker in Travis Kelsey and you have a bunch of other ancillary players, I think that it is, it is imperative to stick to the script as much as possible because those players that you've never played with, like all of these wide receivers, Rishé Rice, Kadarius Tony, who was an acquisition halfway through last year, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, who's as his second year with the team, Watson, like Sky Moore, Sky Moore is a is a second year player. Like these are all players that haven't been there. They don't have a tenure there. It's either their second season or their first season with the team. You don't have that rapport with someone for when it breaks down to be able to be on the same page without a plan being called, without a play being called. So I think it's even, even I think Mahomes, I think if Mahomes wasn't the quarterback in this game, it would have been a lot worse, but I think that he is culpable in some of these, some of this, uh, I would say the, the downturn on the, the KC offense. I think that he needs to read the room and the fact that he has a lot of young pass catchers that only really know the play called. They haven't played with you for the last three or four years, knowing exactly what you want as soon as the play breaks down. Tyreek Hill and Miko Hardman and, and Travis Kelsey, like those guys that you and um Sammy Watkins, those guys that you've been winning Super Bowls with, those aren't your pass catchers. Besides Kelsey, those really aren't your pass catchers anymore. You have to stick with the script. You have to you have to maximize what these plays give you instead of bailing on these plays and thinking you're going to make a play every time. Because newsflash, dude, you're not Lamar Jackson. You can't make the play yourself. You're going to get out of the first play, but there needs to be somebody open or at least somebody in the right spot for you to throw them open. And that doesn't happen with rookie and second year and guys you don't have a rapport with. Totally agree. Totally agree with all that. You nailed the he- nailed the uh, hit the nail on the head. Mahomes should have been focusing a lot of that frustration and that anger on his coach and on his GM for not 
addressing that position more. I mean, it's obvious. It's been obvious throughout the year. I mean, Rasheed Rice has shown some promise in this offense this year, but again, he's a rookie. Like you can't expect that rookie to really just truly carry you as your number one wide receiver. You can't, you obviously have Travis Kelsey. Wait, you can't have a rookie wide receiver carry you the entire season. No, I know where you're going with this. I'm not even going to entertain it right now. <laughs> okay. Nice try. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not taking the, I'm not taking ah, the, the dollar bill on the fishing pole damn right there. I'm damn staying it. on topic. Oh, you gotta be quicker than that. Demario yeah. Douglas, shout out to you. Pop Douglas, <laughs> come on the pod. But you know, it's just Travis Kelsey's getting older. Like he's not getting any younger and it's just, it's, he's finding out what life is like. And when, when your roster is going to turn over. And I think that's what made the Patriots dynasty of 20 years. So great. And why they were so able to go to those 10 straight, you know, AFC title games and, and, and all that. I think that this might be the first year that Kansas city doesn't get there. Not ready to go there yet, but I think it's going to show it's going to help the Patriots dynasty. What we witnessed over the last 20 years, really, really stick out because Mahomes is the best quarterback of this generation. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. And just because he's one guy, if you don't have supporting pieces around it, it's not going to work, but I want to get to the officials in this. I really do real quick, because, real quick before you get to the officials, I can put a guarantee that the hunt family puts pieces around Patrick Mahomes this year. I can guarantee you, this is the exact same thing as the Oh, four and a half to oh six and a half slump that the Patriots went through. I can guarantee you that. I think that the 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 front office and the ownership of KC is gonna look at it and be like, yeah, that was dumb. Let's get some, let's get him some fucking let's get him some fucking help. Let's get, I him, think Randy, that, let's get him Randy I, Moss. <laughs> right? I think I I think that's coming, Doug. It very well could and it, they'd be smart to do it. It should, yeah, it should. But the officials, all right. Did you guys notice, like, I think it was the play or two after that debacle that occurred with Canaries Tony that Vaughn Miller lined up in the neutral zone and they didn't flag it? And it's one of those things like, dude, you're making a name for yourself in a big, big spot in a big game. Vaughn Miller, who is going through a domestic assault claim, lines up in the neutral zone and doesn't get. So, first of all, he's allowed on the field. Second of all, he's lined up in the neutral zone. Like there's the a hell? lot to unpack there. Why is he on the field and why is he in the neutral zone? Absolutely. I'm innocent and proven guilty. Von Miller, I'm not trying to disparage your name. I'm just saying that a players have players have not played for less. And the fact that he's in a game when his wife is claiming domestic violence and then he's fucking he's lined up in the neutral zone. Literally the play after Kadarius Tony scores a touchdown, but they call it back because he was in the neutral zone. Stinky. Stinky, stinky, stinky NFL. Absolutely. And it's like, dude. Get your heads out of your asses. You're showing up in the biggest moments once again. And like I just like I said when we were talking about the call, offensive offsides, it is so rarely called. The officials will give the benefit of the doubt to the offensive player. I'll be honest with you, a, a half step for uh, six inches on the on the football isn't going to make or break a play. And I was listening to Boston Talk Radio this week, and they were kind of talking about a lot of these procedural penalties that occur and rules that occur on the offense that are a bit antiquated and outdated, like the whole got to cover the tight end, you know, whatever. All those rules are a little bit antiquated, and they let a lot of them slide because of the fact that you need to build the product. And if you're calling these ticky-tack little things that really, at the end of the day, aren't going to have a whole lot of, you know, impact on the play. Especially it's that stupid. play, dude, where he's yeah. like not even the primary. He's not getting open off the snap. He's not making somebody miss. He's literally just, all right, I'm going to run to this spot and wait for Kelsey to throw it across the field. You know what I mean? It's not like 
him being offsides has no bearing on the success of that play. The six inches, the six inches he was offside, he's going to be in the same spot to catch that ball, regardless, regardless of you know what happened. It wasn't even the primary target. Shame on him for not doing what the receivers are taught to do and point to the official, make sure I'm good or back up or whatever. He like, did, but he just he looked, he, like, he didn't looked. even look at the court. He no, he pointed, but he was like, so if he's pointing towards the ref, he's looking towards the center. So, so it's almost like you're a dumbass times two. You you need to do both. You need to look at the center. All right, my foot goes here. Now I look out to the ref. I point to the ref. Am I good? Yes, I'm good. Okay, now I'm ready to run my route. Like he's a guy. Yeah, I don't know a- what it is against Kadarius Tony, bro. Like you gotta and he, your brain. He- He's a fucking crazy athlete. He just doesn't – his brain just doesn't – I don't know if it's his brain doesn't keep up or his awareness or, like, if he gets a little, like, happy in the moment. I don't know what it is, bro, but it's, like, it's the same kind of mistakes for him every time. He gets no benefit of the doubt. He had a couple of bad drops. Exactly. He's got a yes, bunch of drops yes. throughout dude, the year. I went like, in, dude, I went into the group chat and said this was a terrible call, which it was. Which it, This is this was a terrible call. This was a – this It was, was a, a right call. It was the right call, but it was – Terrible. It was terrible, dude. This In that is moment, a terrible yes. call. This is a terrible call. This is it, it, dude, even though the Patriots won the Super Bowl this year, this is Chris Jones lining up fucking six inches offsides in the AFC championship game, dude. This game, that game, that call, and this call, they both have no bearing on the outcome of the game. Even though that Chiefs call does have a bearing on the outcome of the game, as in Tom Brady threw an interception, but it's not because Chris Jones jumped the snap. D Ford. D Ford. And, and, D Ford, sorry, it's not because D Ford jumped the snap and hit Tom Brady and made him fumble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I think you're a hundred percent right on your railing against the officials this year. Something makes me want to say that that this guy he's called he called another offensive offsides against the Packers this year that had a very let's say questionable timing depending on where maybe public money may be sitting. So. Um, yeah, I'm just going to echo my point from every time that you fucking bring up the officials, you're right to bring up the officials. You're right that it's super inconsistent. You're right that they need more infrastructure in getting NFL officials to the league and parameters as in, in, in which they need to bring them into the league. But my thing, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I tell you every fucking time. If the NFL is involved with gambling, it is not going to get better. Because if they think they want us to think that they're inept in making mistakes, when maybe they're not as inept and they're not really making as many mistakes as we think there are, Fair that point. is that's my only point about the officials. Is I I'm not a hundred percent sure they're as inept as we think they are, and I'm not a hundred percent sure if they're quote unquote trying as hard to be objective as 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 they should be. Fair enough. We'll save we'll save the uh, office, rest of the official talk for the next episode because I'm sure we'll have something to talk about with the officials. Oh, there'll be forward. another play. There'll be another play, I'll, and I'll be the one beating the drum on it because it's the worst I've seen it in years. In years, I want to move on to the Sunday night game. This was a big, big game with playoff implications attached to it. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles down in Dallas at Jerry World. You had the 10 and 2 Philadelphia Eagles taking on the 9 and 3 Dallas Cowboys. And boy, the Dallas Cowboys are now 10 and 3. They demolished the Eagles in this game. I think that they were, I watched probably about half of this game where I was like, all right, I'm out. But 
it just was another situation. I think we've kind of hit on it in the past about the Eagles. I mean, if Jalen Hurts doesn't get any touchdowns, like this team's not really gonna gonna have success. And I think this says this game, and I'm I'll turn it over to you once I say this, but I think this says a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles base. A lot of it's we kind of already knew where they were winning games this year, where they perhaps probably shouldn't have been winning games, or they were winning games by getting lucky. And it's and having a team like Dallas in their division, who I'm not sure who even is in first place in the division right now, um, you know, based on that game, because I think they've split. It actually, Dallas, it does have the the no, better conference. Dallas is, yeah. They have the better conference record um, yeah. and better divisional record right now. Dude, so they Dallas is 7 0. Oh, no, I'll go into this when, yeah. when you're done. And it's just. You know, I think it says. I think it says more about Philly. I think they're going to be a team that could be in trouble coming in. You know, down the stretch here, um, they're they have a pretty cupcake schedule the rest of the way. So I expect them to win to win out just because of who they're playing. They're playing the Seahawks. They play the Giants twice, and they play the Cardinals. That's cupcake. Three and one at worst. If they want to drop a game, it's going to be Seattle's going to get lucky. But I don't. I don't see that happening. I expect them to go four and zero. Oh. So. I expect that to happen. So they'll be right there at the end. Um, Dallas is a team that you really, they have a little bit of a tougher schedule down the stretch here. They got to play the bills next week, the dolphins, the lions and the commanders. So I think there's a good chance. Wow. Philly may, may luck themselves into a divisional win there because just based on the schedule, the strengths of schedule left, but I don't see this team going anywhere in the playoffs. Maybe I'll maybe rephrase that. I don't see them making a serious run in the super bowl. Go. So, Dude, I like I hate doing this, but dude, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. This fucking Philly team is a paper tiger. They cannot play from behind. Jalen Hurts is not the most valuable player in the league. He's not the most valuable player in the NFC. He's not the most valuable player in the NFC East. He's not the most valuable player on the Eagles. He's not the most valuable player on the Eagles offense. So <laughs> solid breakdown right there. It, 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 dude, it's easy money, dude. I'm, I'm, I am, I am plucking the fruit from the lowest hanging branch on the shortest tree in the orchard. It, it, like you said, dude, we we preface these games with who's it say more about? This says ten times more about the Eagles than it does the fucking Cowboys, dude. You cannot do the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, dude. He's a good quarterback, but he's the classic quarterback where if it's out of his control, or if I don't know how to preface this, but if the game isn't predicated and it isn't scripted in his way, he's going to have a really, 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 really tough time in putting his foot in the ground and stemming the tide and making it go another way. If Jalen Hurts gets up on you seven nothing and they can run the ball and push him into the end zone at will, you're fucked. You're fucked. The Eagles, dude. The Eagles aren't bad. They're just not a good play from behind team, and. The other thing I want to say is good luck in the playoffs with this fucking defense, dog. Good luck in the playoffs, dude. They're going to have to, like, obviously they lost to the Cowboys. They have the 49ers on that side. Dude, they have, dude, even even the, the Eagles versus, like, a team like the Rams who have, like, multiple pass catchers. Like, those are teams that, like, I don't think the Eagles are as locked tight as everybody thinks they are. They're a very good team. Jalen Hurts is a very good player. I just don't think that that thing 
is there with them anymore. I don't think they have that thing. You know what I mean? That thing. I think, I think, I think the Ravens have that thing. Even though they're reeling right now, I think the Chiefs have that thing, or Mahomes and 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 Reed have that thing. I think the Niners, they have that thing. Purdy has that thing. They have that thing. And I don't I don't know. I would take I would take Jalen Hurts on the Patriots 10 times over 10 over Brock Purdy, but I want Brock Purdy in the Niners offense and then on mm-hmm. the Niners team more than I want Hurts on the Eagles team. So I'm right, of course, as usual, but I think that uh this is besides the 49ers loss where I think that game kind of got away from you, I think there was multiple times I watched the entirety of this game and there was multiple times because I had the Eagles money line just like Shiloh gave out the pick on our pot. I was mm-hmm. like, I fucking love that pick. I love the Eagles going in there after they lost Dom. They had this huge Dom thing. They're going in as a road dog, divisional game, good team. I was like, yeah, that's there's a lot of signals there that point towards the Eagles lo- winning that game. So I was in on that game. I watched the whole thing, dude. There was multiple fucking times, dude, at the end of the first half, at the beginning of the second half, in the middle of the second half, that the Eagles had to fucking get back in this game and maybe even win this game, and they just they just let it slip through their fucking hands every fucking time. And it was it was frustrating as an Eagles backer, but if I, I'm just happy, even though I would be happy to be an Eagles fan, but I'm happy I'm not an Eagles fan, like, thinking about this loss because it would be a little bit jarring. Absolutely. And other thing I want to say, dude, Dallas, if they get a home playoff game, bro, they're seven and zero at home. Mm-hmm. So if they win that division and they get a home playoff game, the NFC, even though it's it, it might run through San Fran, there's a part of it that might run through Dallas, and they're fucking seven and home right now, seven and zero at home right now. That's big, and yeah, I just want to you know with the Eagles, like they just they they lost to two of their major playoff opponent that they're fighting to you know get to the Super Bowl. They didn't just lose, dude. They got stomped. It wasn't oh, even God. a game. It wasn't even a game. Like these games were blowouts. Forty-two to nineteen against the 49ers, thirty-three to thirteen against the Cowboys. Your division rival on top of your, you know, somebody's going to get in your way to you know make the Super Bowl again. Oh, and didn't the didn't the Eagles have a defensive? They had a defensive touchdown in this game too. Right? Yes, yes, they did. Yeah, uh, they had a defend. Yeah, they had a fumble return for a touchdown. So it's like, dude, the offense scored six fucking points. Mm-hmm. That's that's. That is not something you want to see happen. Actually, it was Dallas who had the the um the fumble touchdown. It was Dallas. Oh, okay, maybe I got. No, nope, I lied. I lied. It no, was the okay. Eagles. I was, it was yeah, the I was gonna say. I was, was like, I'm almost positive. Jalen that Carter. I was like, yeah, dude. They could have. Yeah, dude. They could have. They could have fucking come back and won this game, but they didn't. I don't know. Yeah, they just they fucked up every. They they let it slip through their grasp every time. That was a moment when that happened where you know Dallas was blowing them out in the game. It was 24 to six. And that happens. That's usually for a really sound, good football team. That's a jump start. That's a jump start. And I think that was, uh, was that in the third, third quarter? When was that? Yeah. Early. No. Uh, yeah. Early in the third quarter. Halfway yeah. the third quarter. Yep. So something like that happens. It's like, bro, that's your, that's your moment to really start to at least give them a, uh, give them a chance. To get, is there anything more a, majestic than a player like Jalen Carter running 40 yards for a touchdown? On I, a I, score? I think of Sam Adams back uh, when Buffalo played New England and you see this big, massive dude running down the field. Shout it's out Dan Connolly. You should have scored Connelly, on that yep. play, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those great highlights there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we got, what, four weeks left of the NFL season. A lot, uh, a lot to uh, – 
still be decided in terms of the playoffs. I think we all agree about the AFC. There is, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six teams sitting at seven and six right now in the AFC fighting for those three wild card spots. The NFC is a little bit more decided. Your seven seed. I mean, you have a couple of teams sitting at six and seven fighting for that seven spot. So it's not as, not as, uh, I don't want to say it's not as quality, but like, you kind of get where I'm going with that. Like seven and six is better than six and seven. We obviously know that NFC is a little bit more top heavy. In my opinion, they have a lot of good to go with and then, you know, the top of the standing. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the playoffs shake out. Definitely looking forward to the season wrapping up and getting into some playoff football since I have nothing left to watch for with my New England Patriots who were, as a matter of fact, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs this weekend. The earliest they've been eliminated from the playoffs since the year 2000 when Joe was in diapers. So actually Kojak was in diapers at that point. So um, yeah, so definitely something to keep an eye out as the, as the season comes down here. I want to move on to the pick segment, Joe, and I don't know if I actually really want to do this to recap what happened last week. My picks were dead in the water very, very early on. Where do we sit? Where do we sit as to our record for last week and uh, for the season this year? Uh, I, it, it, it's it's kill. It's last week killed me, dude. I the week before was so great with how Houston and Indianapolis won so late, dude. I'm most excited I've watched been watching football all season with the way the Patriots have been, where I actually got into a game and was really rooting for something to see it happen. And it happened. I was so amped. I woke my kids. I scared my kids. My babies were eating a bottle and they freaking jumped out of their seat when I got up and yelled when, they, when uh, Houston picked off the ball there. This week was not, not, not as good. Hold on one second. I have something to, uh, I have something to uh, set the mood here. Uh, I don't even know if I want to hear it. As we get flagged for copyright, <laughs> brother. No, I only played 15 seconds. I made sure, <laughs> brother. <laughs> this is no longer a gambling podcast. <laughs> oh, let's just blame right. Shiloh. We'll blame Shiloh. I didn't even I didn't even put his shit in the fucking stats, bro. Just because I knew it would be against us, dog. We're we're in a bad way, bro. All right. It was a uh it was a one in five week. <laughs> if we include our I'm about to cry. But if we include the guest pick, we had a one in six week. That put Who got us the win? Who got the win? Who got the win? You did, bro. And I tailed your ass in that win. I'll get to that. But <laughs> So overall, we're 31, 30, and two Ooh. over 500. Damn, and for our locks, for our locks, we're 11 and eight, which is still mm-hmm. three games above 500. We're still, we're still over that 66%. We're almost over that 66% there. So uh, last week, we had Shiloh, our guest picker. He gave us Philly money line. We just went over that. Talk about. Yeah, Pain. I will get. Pain. I'll get canceled if I if I describe in detail how that pick went. Um, then let's get let's hit a little positive note here. We had uh, Burrish won in a walk off punt. Uh, no, not never mind. That was my loss. We had Burrish win with uh, Cleveland minus three. Mm-hmm. And then thank you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know Flacco. Was- Flacco, not you. <laughs> I know he's my favorite. He's the best. 
Um, and then I'm going to start playing Sarah McLaughlin again. Sarah McLaughlin, if you're listening, come on the pod. But um, Burrs, his other two picks were Indy minus one, and then um, <laughs> we had his lock at Detroit minus three, which they obviously out. <laughs> I think that piss uh, that piss that pick missed by 18 points. So we made fun of Kojak oh. by missing on uh, 20 points last week. We can definitely make fun of Burrs for missing by 18 points this week. Do we got to get into the backstory as why why I have that pick? Do we got to get into that? Yeah, hundred percent. Why did why did you get into that? Why did you get that pick, Burj? Who is the first person? Who is the first person you. to put that in the chat? <laughs> I saved you from that this 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 humiliation that I now have to save endure. me from what? Save me from what? A different zero and three week, a different hodgepodge of horrible picks. Oh, I took this bad pick from you. Yeah, I just substituted with another loss. I don't know what you want. <laughs> Anyway, great pitch, big, great, great argument by Barry's bringing that fucking uh, Detroit minus three to light there. <laughs> um, the closest I got was uh, Baltimore minus seven. If, uh, like oh. I said, if they instituted the uh, overtime rules in the regular season, this would have been a push because the uh, Baltimore would have had to kick the field goal there. So, um, yeah, fuck Roger Goodell. As a Patriots fan, I've been on that for a minute. Uh, Carolina plus six, dumbass pick. Dumbass pick. Dumb, dumbass pick. Dumbass pick. Bl- betting on Bryce Young? Yikes. And then uh, Houston minus five and a half. Wait, hold on. Is this the – no, no, no. This one's bad. This one's bad. So I had Houston minus five and a half. <laughs> Let me go back 24 to the points. 24 points. Dude, a 30-point loss by Joe. A third – I, not actually, only, no, I lied. I, I lied. I lied. You're going off the spread there, right? Yeah, because you yes. added the six points, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And it was a Jets, My, too. <laughs> is like, dude, you know what's funny? A 30 point swing might not be the worst. The Jets fucked me this year. The Jets could fuck me a little bit more by playing Aaron Rodgers. Tony they Ayahuasca. Know. <laughs> they know. Tony, Tony A. Yeah. So uh, let's go. Let's let's flow right into the picks for this week, because hopefully we can fucking get off the schneid this week. Uh, my first pick this week is going to be Cincinnati minus three and a half. They're going with uh, Minnesota's going with uh, Mullins as quarterback. Uh, Jake Browning's been playing good. I think Cincinnati's been playing with a little bit of mojo. Uh, you want to get on this line quick because I think that a lot of people are going to be on the Cincinnati side, especially with uh, the Vikings changing quarterbacks and their ineptitude on offense. I think there was fucking three points scored in that game or six points scored in that game this weekend. So yeah, good luck. Uh, good luck, Minnesota backers. I'm just kidding. I hope all of you lose. Um, then the next one I have, this is a uh, purely a Burr's Cialis or a Burr's Cia- uh, Viagra pick. This is strictly Burr's pleasure. Um, Dallas plus two in Buffalo. Um, I think that this plus two line is Vegas favoring Buffalo a little bit more because I mean, so you used to get three points for being at home right now. You get a point, point and a half, depending on who the opponent is. I think this is technically a pick them when it comes to the line who's at home. So yeah, I'll take Dallas. I'll take Dallas plus two on this one. And then my lock of the week, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to ride the first year quarterback or the first year starter after he's been going off for a couple weeks. Give me, the Green Bay Jordan loves minus three and a half versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Green Bay's at home. 
Jordan Love been balling out. I uh, hold on. I have another stat here. Tampa Bay has lost four of their last five on the road, and they've won their last two, but they haven't won three in a row since the 2021 season when they won four in a row, their last three games of the season, and a playoff game with Tom Brady. So give me Green Bay minus three and a, uh, minus three and a half at home versus Tampa Bay. Burge, fuck me up. All right, I'm going to start off. I'm going to pick against one of your picks from last week. I'm going Atlanta minus three against Carolina on the road. Carolina's an absolute dumpster fire. They fired their head coach. There's nothing really positive about what they've got going on down there right now. They don't have their own draft pick, which is currently sitting at number one. I just They seem like a team that's just lost and trying to get through the motions to get to the end of the year. Atlanta has shown flashes this year. Um you know, where they've looked competent, you know, they're still fighting for a division title there at six and seven against, you know, they're fighting with that garbage, garbage division down there coming off a, a tight loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, they're going to be ready to go. They're, they're going to want to get out there and, and, and get themselves back in the divisional race. Give me them minus three on the road. I'm going to pick a team that really hurt me last week, but They've, I've been kind of riding with them a little bit this year, as much as I hate the franchise as a whole. But I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts minus two at home against the Mitch Trubisky-led Pittsburgh Steelers. I got no faith in what Mitch Trubisky is. We saw it against the Patriots. They got I, I, drastically outplayed against a really, really bad team. I expect it to continue. Pittsburgh's a team that I see falling out of the playoff hunt as one of these seven and six teams that falls down. Indianapolis with Gardner Minshew, a quarterback, has had some really good performances. I expect them to rebound after last week and uh, on Saturday to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, laying the two and a half points. My lock for the week, a team we've been gushing over on this podcast today, it's the Baltimore Ravens. They're on the road in Jacksonville. Jacksonville's a team that is flirting with a little bit of disaster down there. Trevor Lawrence isn't completely healthy. I am all about Baltimore cruising to the AFC title game this year. So give me the Ravens laying the three and a half down in Jacksonville. That's a good number. Kojak, do you want to uh, participate? Oh, good. No, great time to have technical issues. Kojak, do you want to give a pick? No, his AirPods died. This is great. We're going to have to now extreme editing going on. Now he's clicking a button. One more button to click. Expletives behind, behind the, uh, the the mic mute. <laughs> Something is going on. Yes, it is. What, the thing that's going on is you not being able to speak. Do, do we want to just say his pick? Oh my, yeah. So if anybody's he got ESPN, he got ESPN. If, yeah, by yeah. If anybody's wondering, once a week we have playback play over our speakers. Three weeks ago, it was me with ESPN blaring in my ears when I was on a long soliloquy about God knows what. Last week it was Burge getting absolutely fucking ear ear effed by ESPN again when he was going on a soliloquy, and now the one time on this fucking podcast, the the one time 
on this podcast that we want to throw it to our producer in the 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 woods of Danville, New Hampshire is the one time of the episode that I don't know, is it Dawson's Creek? Is it Gossip Girl? <laughs> it's not the Sopranos. It's not the wire. Can it's I just not say, billions? I got blasted by ESPN tonight. You didn't even know it. Really? I did, yeah. See, this is while I was talking. We're growing as a podcast. And I hope Kojak knows that we have been stalling for him for the last minute to see if maybe he could. Dude, I don't know what the fuck oh, is going on. He's back. He's back. I had the drive open, our drive, and then last week's episode started playing. I'm like, Shiloh is not with us right now. <laughs> and he's just blasting my fucking ear. Shit. Uh, so do you want to gamble with us up. this weekend? Give me a pick. Uh, Give me a pick that I can throw in there, huh? How you doing? I'm trying to, but you fucking stole mine. I stole yours. Yeah, I was gonna go Dallas after I put my picks into the group chat at five sixteen p.m. Was two hours and fifty nine minutes before we record. This is fucking two bullshit. hours and twelve minutes before you get into the shower and cook some chicken titties. Chicken titties. You shitting me. <laughs> I'm just gonna go Dallas money line because you can go fuck yourself. Good, good, good. Dallas money line. What do we got on odds on that one? Hold on. Dallas money line. I can't find the fucking thing now. I'm just all over the place. No, this is great podcasting. Why? Dallas Money Dallas. Line plus 110. Oh. Plus 110. That's what I got it at. Plus 109. We're, we're just going to fight. We're just going to fight. We're not going to do another. We're not going to do an episode next week. Me and Kojak are just going to fight. And we're going to put that on YouTube. <laughs> Live you stream. Live streamed. Live uh, streamed. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Well, that might that be a good out. time to plug it up, Burge. Yeah, yeah. As always, boys, listeners, all y'all, give us a follow on Twitter machine at BTP underscore podcast underscore. We do jersey giveaways from time to time. I'll tease it. We have one more jersey in our in our inventory court currently that we are going to look at a good time to give that one away. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's a good one. It's actually a good one if you're talking about Patriots fans. The player has won multiple Super Bowls with the Patriots. Let's just put it that way. Absolutely. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I'm on Twitter at Burge the Goalie. Joe Sure at the underscore Juicy Jew. Kojak is at Allen13Brennan. If you guys like hockey again, check out the Two Pad Stack podcast at Two Pad Stack Pod on the social. Got a pretty, I'll tease a, a pretty big guest next week for, for all you hockey fans. Current member of the Boston Current Bruins, Bruins, Current player. member of the team. So be sure to follow the socials. You'll get to get the details later in the week as to who that's going to be. But we are stoked about having that. If you want to go to a go to a sporting event, use this. Go to SeatGeek. Use the code number two pad stack pod twenty dollars off your first order. So be sure to check all that out. On that note, you fellas have a good week. Looking forward to some football and. BTP fans, be on the lookout for some guests coming up in the next couple weeks, couple months, okay? You you keep peeping this podcast. We keep giving you shit to listen to, baby. We're, we're, we've got some stuff working behind the scenes, so be sure to keep following us for updates on all that. Have a good week, boys. Oh, yeah.